Welcome to Parshas Chaye Sarah. This week's Parsha features one of the oldest episodes of Jewish matchmaking. Eliezer journeys off to Aram Naarayim in search of the perfect girl for Yitzchak, Avram's son. But instead of setting up the traditional interview approach, he comes up with an innovative and untraditional tactic. He says, It will be that the girl who I go over to her and I say, Hey, can I please have a little bit to drink? The Amra should say, If she says, Yes, drink, and I'm also going to give your camels to drink, then I know that she's the one for Yitzchak. And through this I will know that Hashem has done kindness with me. Question number one. Why is this the test? Out of all the tests that Eliezer could have set up, why not if she also offers to give his other men to drink? Why not offering him a place to sleep? So many other options. Why specifically? offering his camels to drink. And question number two is, can you imagine for a second just how ridiculous the scene is? Eliezer is a strapping buff Eved. He's a servant to fine muscle tone, three-inch-plus diameter biceps. Get to the chopper! Can run the ultra marathon from Chevron to Aram Naarayim. He has an entire team of other strong servants who are perfectly capable of drawing water. Rivka then rocks up on scene. She's three years old, tiny. Eliezer asks her, of all people, for water. And the verse says, Vatashkehu, she's holding the jug of water to his mouth as if he wouldn't have the ability to hold it himself. Rebbe Victor Miller points out that if you would have been on scene, you would have thought it's the strangest scene in the world, this little girl helping a strong, capable servant and his entire team. What's going on here? And how did Eliezer expect for such a ludicrous thing to occur? Furthermore, why was Eliezer expecting Rivka to help him? The Gemara in Bava Metzia 32a says that the Pasuk says, Azov ta'azov imo, you only have to help a person with him. You don't have to help a person unload their animal if they're sitting on the side, relaxing in their chair, and not helping themselves. Why then was Eliezer expecting her to take the time and effort to give water to his camels while he sat on the side and relaxed? So let's get philosophical for a minute with the following question. A person comes to me in show collecting money, looks like a nice guy, I hand him $100, and it turns out that he's not even Jewish. There's no emergency that he's actually collecting for. And not only that, but he was using this money to fund Hamas. <gasps> Does Hashem still give me reward for that act of giving? Does a person get reward for giving to a person when the person who received it doesn't actually need it. So let's take a look at the Gemara Bava Basra 9b. And it says, Yirmiya asks Hashem, and he says, Ribono Shalom, Master of the Universe, These wicked people who are out to kill me, even at the times when they're able to overcome their instincts and they want to do tzedakah in front of you, they want to give charity before you, Hachshila mess up these people. And make it that the people who are collecting from them are not really worthy 
to be collected for? In order that the people giving should not receive reward and it shouldn't serve as a protection for them. So we find that Yirmiya is asking Hashem to mess up the charity giving of these people by creating a scenario in which the people who's receiving the charity don't actually need it. They're phonies. And through that, they will not gain reward from their act of giving charity. So what do we see? It seems to be that when a person gives charity and the person receiving doesn't actually need that charity, he's a phony, boom, no reward received. The whole act of charity is knocked off the table. But then we look at the case of Avram. And the altar of Kelm, Chachma Musar, Maimer Menuchas Anefesh says that why are we learning about Avram feeding the three angels in the Torah? He was only feeding them in his imagination. They didn't actually eat anything. Out of all the scenarios to bring of Avram giving to others, we're bringing a case where he didn't actually accomplish anything. It was all in his imagination. Nothing was done. The angels received no sustenance at the end of the day. And says the altar of Kelm that it's the horos lanu to teach us that the main thing in everything that you do is your intentions and your desire to do it. As we say that Hashem wants a person's heart. And the intentions of Avram Avinu, yes, he didn't actually help them at the end of the day. They weren't actually human beings, but his intentions were for good. And even this is precious in the eyes of Hashem. But what we see from the case of Avram is a very glaring contradiction. Because in the case of Yirmiya, he said that if the people were phonies, then they wouldn't actually get rewarded for their act of giving. Yet in the case of Avram, we find that the three angels were phonies. They weren't actually human beings who were eating. And nevertheless, Avram Avinu not only gets rewarded for it, but it's used as the primary example to teach us all what an act of chesed is all about. What is the difference between the case of Yirmiya and the case of Avram Avinu? Says Rabeliyahu Dessler that there's a massive qualitative difference between an act of chesed and an act of tzedakah. That an act of tzedakah is when I meet a person's need. They need money, a job, a shidduch, a ride, someone to help them move their house, a Shabbos meal. They then make their need known to me and I respond to that need. That is tzedakah, that is charity, that is responding to the needs of another person. But then there's a step above that. There's chesed, there's kindness. From the outside, it might look the same, but it's very different. Because chesed is when I give to another without responding to their needs. I give not out of a feeling of need to help the other, out of compassion, out of, ah, I feel like I need to help them, but I give out of a feeling of graciousness. I want to better the life of another. He might not need it. He never asked for it, but I want to give it to him anyways to better another person's life. For example, baking challahs for Shabbos and deciding to make a few extras to drop off at the neighbor's or your friend, or somebody you just met, or picking up and bringing light breakfast to shul in the morning, or calling someone in the community randomly just to check in on him. These are all acts of chesed. There's no need that's pulling at you. Nobody requires your services. 
but you feel the need to add love, to touch, and to inspire the lives of others. Love is the thing, not what you can gain, what you're willing to give up. Now that we understand that there's a distinction between tzedakah and chesed, we can now understand, according to Reb Dessler, the difference between Avraham and Yirmiyah. The people of Yirmiyah's time were self-centered and wicked. They gave charity, not out of good-heartedness or care, but out of utility. It was purely an act of tzedakah, not an act of chesed. And when it comes to an act of tzedakah, you only receive reward because you helped a person fulfill their needs. But if the receiver never actually required the money to live, then there's no reward, no gain, no pay. By Avraham, though, he was only focused on how he could give and better the lives of others. It was purely an other-driven chesed experience. And therefore, yes, his guests were phonies, but it made no difference. The Torah wanted to highlight the importance of giving and thinking of others with all your heart. The Gemara in Sukkah 49b highlights the difference between chesed and tzedakah by noting that acts of chesed are greater than acts of tzedakah in three different ways. Firstly, it says that while tzedakah can only be done with your things, with your resources, chesed can even be done with your body. You can give a smile, you can volunteer, you can say a nice word and make them feel good. Secondly, the Gemara says that while tzedakah can only be done to the poor, Chesed can even be done to the rich. It doesn't make a difference if they already have everything in the world. Chesed can even be done to a wealthy person who lacks nothing because it's going above and beyond their needs in order to touch and enlighten their world. Thirdly, the Gemara explains that while tzedakah can only be done to those who are alive, chesed can even be done to those who are dead. The person can be not alive anymore. And there's nothing for him to gain by your act of giving. But nevertheless, you giving yourself for the purpose of somebody else, that alone is an act of chesed. Avraham Avinu was not a man of tzedakah. Avram was a person who breathed chesed. He didn't care what the needs of the person were. He wanted to spoil them with the best. Avram went out of his way to the crossroads to pull people to his chesed campus. It didn't matter if they already had enough food. He wanted to touch and inspire their lives. The Medrash in Avos Derab Nasan, chapter 7, writes that even though Eov, also did kindness in much of the same ways that Avram did it, it wasn't on the same level as Avram Avinu. Why not? Because when Avraham did chesed, he didn't just meet the needs of the people who came to him, he went far above and beyond. Even if the people were poor and ate the simplest of foods, the Medrash says, Avram would give them the fanciest meat, wines, and fine flour breads. The Altar of Kelm says that the Torah specifically teaches us about Avram feeding angels to teach us that when a person is doing an act of chesed and his consciousness is centered on another person, then the main thing that matters is his good intentions. On a practical level, Avraham did nothing for the angels. He provided them with not a bit of sustenance. And that's in the Torah where we learn the act of chesed from. 
because chesed is about your mindset and intentions to give to the other, not about what the other person actually needs. But now the question is, where did Avraham learn this from? To do chesed even above and beyond other people's needs? The Altar of Slabatka in Ort Safon, Volume 1, page 97 says that he learned it from the Almighty himself. Before Hashem created the world, all that existed was the infinite. Hashem had to retract himself to make space for us. Why? So that he can give them the ultimate good. Hashem didn't give to us in order to fulfill a need. There was no need. He gave to us simply out of Ritzono Lehetev, out of his willingness and desire to give to others. Now let's step back into Eliezer's shoes and understand what this test was all about. Eliezer needed to formulate a test that could examine if she was not just into tzedakah, into giving acts of charity, into providing for the needs of another person, but if she was into chesed. That's why he set up the test that she should offer the camels and not the other servants. Giving him and the other servants water would have only been an act of tzedakah, but offering the camels water was already an act of chesed. Eliezer was inspecting to see if she was looking to give even to his animals who didn't have human needs. He was looking for a woman that showed that she was obsessed with giving and loved doing for others, no matter what it was. The Sephorno asks that where did Rivka learn this higher level of chesed from? She grew up with Besuel and Lavan, self-thinkers, who were only out for their own gains. The Sephorno says that Rivka too had to learn this from Hashem. You see, Avraham and Rivka had the very same teacher. When Eliezer sees that she's drawing water, even for his animals, she's holding the jug for him. The Pasuk says, Vatashkeyu, that she's pouring from the jug for him, which was completely unnecessary. And it says, Vatemaher, that she's doing it enthusiastically, offering her services to anyone and everyone to try and better the lives of others. Now, Eliezer knew that she was the right fit for Avram's home. This is a woman who's all about chesed. So we can now understand our original two questions that we started off with. We understand why Eliezer specifically set up the test in a way that she would offer to feed the camels. And we also understand why he expected a little girl to help him and his team, despite it seeming at face value absolutely ludicrous. I want to now take this all home with a practical takeaway. This past month, we've watched how the Jewish nation has mobilized setting up aid operations to help soldiers and the attack communities. People lent out their homes, their apartments. They gave away thousands of sandwiches and set up support systems. Jews from all over the world were donating medical supplies and coming in to help. It was so much more than a compassionate response to our brothers and sisters in pain. There was a mass eagerness to contribute, social media work, housing evacuated families, medical work, guard duty and yeshuvim, babysitting, food services. Shifts were set up at the local hospitals cheering up the wounded and comforting the morning. The chesed that we witnessed this past month went above and beyond our wildest imaginations. What we see is that Rivka and Avraham live in our DNA. Amen. 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 Amen.
The goal of a Jew is not just to respond with compassion, but to preempt kindness. Train yourself to become a living example of Avram and Rivka. Exercise your mind to constantly be triggering the thought, what can I do to make the person next to me feel loved? Can I give them a kind word, a check and phone call, a smile, an invitation, a gift? Always search for a way that you can touch another stranger's life. Wishing you all a gentle and loving Shabbos. Oh,